This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode 431. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Jacob Paulson, and today I am joined by producer Matthew Merrister. Good afternoon, Jacob Paulson. Good afternoon. <laughs> today, we're going to bring you our Justified Saves episode of the month. And later today, we'll also announce our giveaway winner of the week. All this and more on the Concealed Carry Podcast. But first, you know, right now we're supposed to talk about sponsors, but I'm actually going to derail this just a little bit. Uh, today, I got around to getting caught up on all of our reviews on iTunes. Matthew, do you ever read the reviews people re- leave us? Every once in a while, I go on there and, and I check them out. Yeah, it had been a few months, to be honest. And so I went and checked. And we got one guy who's really upset with us. He says that, uh, quote, uh, he calls it a sad political show. And then, mm-hmm. quote, they keep bashing laws and democracy. They think Democrats are the devil. They take guns. No one is taking guns. Did Obama take your guns? No, we need laws. It's sad to see the narrow views of some gun owners. I guess you're pro-life, but also carry an Uzi, LOL. I hope you are for women's rights as much as you are for gun laws. So Philly BNYR, I apologize if we came off in any way as being a political show, anti-Democrat, or you know anything like that. We definitely are anti-gun control. Right, Matthew? I think, I mean, we're pretty like on record there. I I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But we, uh, you know, support legislation and we support candidates who support our gun rights. And we, you know, feel that way. Yeah. But we, that's, 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 that's an outlier. We got a lot of positive reviews on here. Thank you, ERM Ware, who gave us five stars. He said, great firearm information shared. Then he did ask, he said, stop dropping two shows in one day. I hear you and we're going to stop doing that. Uh, Here's another one. From one two 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 one one four five three, he says, "Awesome!" As a future gun owner, I'm now three episodes deep and have learned something new in each episode. Lousdell says, "A must listen to EDC. Great podcast. These guys are pretty funny yet very informative." Uh, I don't think we're funny, but maybe other people think funny we're funny looking. Funny looking. Derek one four one says that episode four ten was one of the best episodes ever. I read that, Derek, and I had to go look it up. That's the interview with George Harris. Thank you for your review. And many more. If you guys haven't already left us a review on iTunes, please do that. Uh, we really appreciate it. Obviously, it helps us also find new listeners when people are searching iTunes and deciding who to listen to. So there you go. Much appreciated for all of you who have done that. And by the way, if you've already left us a review, you can always go back and leave a second review. You can update your original one or just outright write a second new uh, review. And that would be Mm. totally acceptable. All right. Now on to today's sponsors. First, Matthew, tell us about CCW Safe. CCW Safe. uh, Yeah, this is a network of uh, great um, prior law enforcement uh, prosecutor or defense attorneys, uh, very knowledgeable in uh, self-defense law and and everything that goes into it. Uh, What's referred to oftentimes is self-defense insurance. Um, they offer a product um, basically putting this team of uh, great minds together to come to your defense if you're uh, involved in a shooting. Um, and so, you know, immediately after uh, you get in a, in a shooting, lots of things start happening. And uh, if you don't have a good team, um, it, it can cause a lot of uh, heartache so um ccw safe's awesome company we know the guys personally so full disclosure there um but awesome company you wouldn't want I, I i can't i don't know about you jacob but i couldn't think of a better group of people if i was compiling a team to defend me in court if i had to go to court um than than the guys at ccw safe yeah uh correct ditto yes if if something bad happens and someone's going to come to my rescue, I want those I want those those people. I want that team. I want mm-hmm. people who, when I call that one eight hundred number and say I'm in trouble, the, the person who answers that phone has shot someone and been to court. And this, yeah, you just you want them on your side, guys. Go check it out, ccwsafe.com, and you can use coupon code CC Podcast, all one word, just the letters CC Podcast to save uh, on your membership there. 
So check it out, ccwsafe.com. And if you want to compare them with all the other competitors out there in the industry, many of which are also very viable and good options, you can do that at concealedcarry.com forward slash insurance. Today's episode is also brought to you by our Fighting From Cover video course. I cannot overemphasize enough how important the proper use of cover is in a gunfight. I think that there's virtually... <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say none, but there's a very low, low percentage of gunfights out there where use of cover is not a factor in the outcome. And you'll see that as we review all these stories today uh, of gunfights. So if your education and how to properly use cover is limited to somebody telling you the difference between consumer and cover, and then a 30 minute lecture on a gun range with a couple big blue barrels, I assure you that was not enough. So go to concealedcarry.com forward slash F. FC, standing for Fighting from Cover, and pick up your copy today, available both in DVD format and online streaming. All right, that's the sponsor messages, which several people on iTunes say they wish that we didn't have them, but then, like, how would we make money and do this? So, yeah, we're going to have sponsor messages. All right, Matthew, story number one. Eaton County. Yeah, so this is our entry, our little, uh, you know, kind of opening story here. Um, Eaton County Sheriff's confirm identity of person shot in Delta Township. Now, this is kind of a, a weird story. Um, this happened on the 17th. Uh, yeah, June 17th. Yeah, June 17th. Um, and so around 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning, um, Sheriff's deputies get a call of uh, a dude that's walking down the street, the middle of the street. Um, well, some big fly- highway, I think. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. it's Saginaw it's, uh, Highway. Yeah. Saginaw Highway. I don't know. It looked on the video. Maybe it's like a two lanes in either direction. Um, yeah. But so this guy's walking down the center of this highway, um, firing off rounds into the into the air um, as cars are you know stopped on, on this uh, street or highway. Um, he's seen pointing the gun at different people in vehicles, different cars, not shooting anybody um, at anybody, but just shooting off rounds in the air. Uh, the The story actually has a couple of the 911 uh, calls that come in. So if, it, you know, if you um, follow the show notes, we'll put that link in there and you can listen to the 911 calls. Really good information that are given by the the witnesses. They're describing the, the, the person who's uh, who's firing off these rounds, trying to get an idea of, you know, what's going on with this guy. Um, and eventually uh, he points the gun at somebody in a vehicle um, who says, uh, I'm, I kind of feel like uh, my life is uh, at risk. And he exits his vehicle uh, and shoots this guy and kills him. Um, he's a concealed. Well, an important clarification, Matthew. I think it said, I'm looking for it. Okay. It said the gunman stopped in front of his vehicle. Right. Right, so he. So it wasn't just that he, you know, a passerby got a gun pointed at them, but that the the, the the BG stood in front of the vehicle that stopped. Yep, good, good, good point. Um, yeah, so he stops this vehicle's, you know, uh, ability to to continue to go forward, um, and obviously this guy's shooting rounds in the air, so it's not. Um, the, the the danger that this person perceives is reasonable based off of, you know, this guy is actually shooting rounds into the air. He's pointing it at everybody. He steps in front of my car, uh, points the gun at me. He gets out the driver, uh, concealed carrier, pulls his firearm and shoots a guy and kills him. Um, so they're investigating it. But for everything that it seems um, for the information that we get from the, the story here, um, seems like a pretty cut and dry self-defense. Um, people can argue, you know, one way or the other. I guess, Jacob, you could you could uh, kind of go off of this. But um, I know some people will say, well, couldn't he have driven away? Right. That'd be the argument. So what would you say, Jacob? I mean. Yeah, so we're in the state of Michigan. Uh, I don't know if Michigan has a duty to retreat. So that would be the potential legal concern if we're talking about the law here. Uh, Are you the innocent party? Yeah, definitely. Is the threat imminent? For sure. Dude's standing in front of my car, pointing a gun at me. He's shooting it off into the air. Um, is, is the threat proportional? Yep. He's got a gun for sure. Is, is my interpretation of these events all reasonable? Yeah. I think any, you know, average six to 12 men jury would agree. So the question mark here, if there's a legal question mark would be, uh, one of duty retreat avoidance. Mm -hmm. I don't know off the top of my head. I could pull up our app. You know, I could go, you know, 
download the concealed carry gun tools app guys <laughs> i could go check out the, the michigan legal summary and see if it's one of the 13 states in this country that have a duty to retreat if it is uh and the car is not you know considered a part of their the home therefore castle doctrine then then arguably the man needed to retreat if safely able and yeah an argument could be made to your point matthew that in a vehicle i could have put the car in reverse or i could have you know swerved to avoid him or done something to retreat from this threat but that aside assuming avoidance is a non-issue either because michigan doesn't have a duty to retreat or because we all you know you you want to argue the idea that a person just can't you know safely retreat from the threat uh, when someone's standing in front of their vehicle and you're in the middle of a highway uh, either way i'd say that this is a pretty clean legal shoot yeah. now tact you know th- then we have to look at tactics well is this the best thing you know could i have just driven past or you know could i have potentially escaped and not had to fire a gun all that is a, a potential valid argument let's let's just assume though just for fun so we can kind of progress that you know, person couldn't have retreated in any way, tactically or or lawfully, and therefore they had to deal with the threat in front of them. Well, that leaves you then with two options. One would be to move forward and, and run the dude over, mm-hmm. hit him with a car, or what this person chose to do, which is you know, return fire with the gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that's where I'm a little bit at a kind of a loss. I, I think, in hindsight, I'd love to. I, I don't know if I would have had the wits about me at the time, but I think in hindsight, the better choice is to hit the dude with the car um, for a couple of reasons. One is it doesn't endanger anyone else. I don't have to worry about bullets flying. I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, over penetration or missing stuff in a busy highway where there's other people around. If I just hit the dude with my car, he's the only one at risk. So that's probably preferable, but yeah. And then we have the idea that the guy very clearly, according to the story, opened the door, stepped out and, and, and took fire. And that would be another potential you know, tactical discussion. Yeah. And, and, you know, those are all good points because we, we don't know what was in front of the car, right? He could have been no. stopped and there was a car five feet in front. So he, he couldn't have, you know, right. successfully run him over, but there is or be, a car behind him. Maybe. Yep, exactly. Right. So, I mean, there is that. And, and so we don't know every single, you know, aspect of the situation, but it is good to think about that because getting out of your vehicle, right. Takes time. If this guy already has a gun pointed at you, getting out of your vehicle and drawing that takes time. So um, potentially if you had the ability to, um, you know, hit the gas and and ensure people can fire rounds in through the vehicle. Um, But, you know, you, you make those, those decisions those split second decisions. So neither one of us is obviously saying that this is not a justified shooting or that he did anything wrong, just kind of expanding the, the thought of, Hey, you know, using your vehicle uh, as is, uh, you know, to, to drive over this person is using deadly force, no different than shooting the guy. So if it's more applicable or if it gives you an advantage uh, to stay in the vehicle, then that might be something to think about. Yeah. In our vehicle firearm tactics course, which you can find at concealedcarry.com forward slash VFT, uh, we talk about kind of the four priorities uh, that you need to I guess, think through, you know, in in that kind of situation, you know, option one, priority number one is always escape with the vehicle if possible. Number two, use the vehicle as a weapon if possible. Number three, bail out and fight. And number four, shoot in in order to bail out and fight. So in this case, you know, it looks like the person decided to go to number three, whether that was just because what they thought was best or if they were unable to do number one and number two. Uh, yeah, but anyway, some good, you know, tactical and legal considerations there all around seems like a clean shoot to me and, uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And and Randy asks, uh, what about protecting other citizens? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's a consideration, um, right. He's shooting fire, uh, rounds into the air, um, pointing guns, the gun at random people. Um, sure. You know, even if he took the gun off of you and was pointing it at a, a vehicle, occupied by people right next to you, you know, you'd still uh, have that reasonable belief that 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 force that he's using against those people is likely to cause death or serious bodily injury. So that's that's obviously something to consider for sure. Yeah. And it it has dramatic impact on the whole duty to retreat concept. If Michigan were a duty to retreat state, you only have to retreat if you're safely able and Mm -hmm. not just you, but also anyone who's in threat. So so the duty to retreat element would in this case i'm glad you brought this up because actually changes my thinking on this Um, because i not only would i have to be able to safely retreat but i'd have to be able to get all the other innocent parties who are in danger 
to retreat. Mm-hmm. And I obviously in a roadway, I can't go, you know, isolate all hundred people within a 25 meter, you know, whatever, and get them all to retreat simultaneously. So that's a super valid comment. One other just interesting thing. I was listening to the 911 calls recordings from this. A lot of people called in, uh, but <laughs> the dispatcher asks one person, uh, what kind of gun is it? And I just thought that was a really poorly worded question, Matthew. If you and I are ever working for dispatch, let's just say, is it a handgun or a rifle? You right. Because right. what kind of gun is it? The guy who was uh, who who was calling in was like, uh, I I don't I don't know what kind of I don't know what kind of gun it is. It's loud. <laughs> like, looks like a. This could be an M and P, maybe a wall. You know, like <laughs> what, what the crap. So anyway, just funny little side note there on the yep. dispatch there. Okay, we're moving on. We're now going to, I don't know, some hospital somewhere in Chicago. Is it Chicago? I think it's Chicago. Uh, this oh, Indiana. happened in Indiana. Indiana. Okay, yep. Munster Community Hospital uh, in Lake County, Indiana. Okay, so let's see if I got this right. You got a patient who is not doing great. It says he's a psychiatric patient, so you know, less than stable. And he starts, you know, saying some things or threatening the nurse in a way that's less than awesome. So security is called at the hospital, and two security guards show up. At least one of them is armed. I presume both of them are probably armed. No, for sure. They are both armed. Okay. So two armed security officers show up. They're both retired sheriff's deputies from the county. So they've both been in law enforcement. Uh, upon entering the room, the patient decides this is not cool. You just escalated this and he gets violent. He starts attacking the nurse and it's not going well. So these two security officers, they manage to get the nurse free uh, from the patient. But in the struggle, the patient grabs one of these security officers uh, into a chokehold. And I'm, I'm imagining almost like hostage situation where, you know, I got you know, BG's got got the guy in a chokehold, and that the the good guy in the chokehold is between the BG and the other good guy. Okay, so the other security officer who's not in a chokehold draws his gun, and obviously to deploy this gun is going to be pretty sucky, right? It's a total hostage kind of shot, but he does at some point he determines it's necessary. He says it says that the guy who was in the chokehold, you know, the other, the other good guy was losing consciousness and it was getting serious. So, uh, he was also getting hit in addition to being the chokehold, the guy, you know, the BG was like, you know, busting this dude up. So uh, yeah, he decides to fire. He fires at least two rounds according to one version of the story. And one of those rounds hits the BG in the face and the other round hits the good guy security officer who was previously in the chokehold. It goes through an arm and into the chest. Both the security officer who was in the chokehold and the bad guy die at the Mm -hmm. scene in a hospital, which is interesting. We'll come back to that, I'm sure. So, Matthew, what are some of your initial thoughts? Yeah, this is this is one of those things where, you know, a lot of us aren't security guards. So it's like it's it's easy to kind of say, well, I'm not going to be in this situation guarding some psychiatric patient. But let's say somebody comes into your home um, and has your, you know, wife, child, husband, whatever, in a chokehold on the bed or whatever. And you walk into that. So same kind of scenario where uh, it's very close proximity where um, your ability to take shots uh, may be diminished completely, right? Based off of how these people are moving, where they're rolling. Um, and this is where we kind of talk about um, uh, the, the the context of contact shots, right? Like where the gun is very close up to, against the attacker. Um, so, you know, you have the ability to kind of dictate where that round is going to go and where it's not going to go to your best ability. Um it, it's it's one of those scary things and, you know, I, I know firsthand dealing with, you know, psychiatric patients, especially in hospitals and things when you have uh, prisoners that you're taking in the hospital, um, officers in there and the security guards, they're kind of on their own because a lot of hospitals, the radios won't won't get uh, uh, transmit out of the hospital. It's really, you know, sometimes you have to get on the phone. And, and so they're basically on their own with this dude. And, um, you know, you'd think that having a, a staff of medical workers in there to help control this guy. Uh, oftentimes it's, it's just not the case. There's closed conformed, you know, confined little areas. So, um, it's just one of those things where I think I, I hate to like, um, you know, say second guess somebody's decision, but it's, I'm sure he's, 
he's going through the, the, the thought process of what could I have done differently? And I think that's what we need to focus on is what, what could have been done differently. So, um, you know, these dynamic situations where you have a window of shooting, that's, you know, an, an index card and it's moving around very rapidly. And if you miss, it's not just, Hey, I, I missed the target. It's I kill somebody who shouldn't be killed. Um, it's, 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 it's a situation that we, hope we never get into, but you got to be um, in, in the mindset of when can I use a contact shot and what are the considerations? Yeah. You know, to add some context, this might help some of the people who are listening. The BG, in this case, the patient who is doing all the bad stuff is 22 years old. I don't know how big or tall or tough or whatever, but he's, but he's 22. Okay. The two security officers, responding officers, who are veteran law enforcement officers, are respectively 59 and 65. The 59-year-old is the one who died. The 65-year-old is the one who fired shot or shots. So I don't know if that puts it into any sort of con- context. You know, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. Today, I'm 37 years old. Matthew's a little higher up than that than me. <laughs> and I think... You know, we do have to have some context for is is going hands on going to work out real well. There's a version of this story too. A couple of things to consider. One, you know, the the BG doesn't have a weapon per se, but could he quickly access the gun that's on the hip of the officer he's choking out? Probably could. In fact, one version of the story, which I I think the way I read it, I don't think it's likely version. But there's at least one version of the of the story where the BG drew the gun off of the officer he was choking and he's the one who shot that officer. And uh, that version of the story would suggest then that the other officer then only fired one shot and it was the shot that hit the BG. Mm -hmm. Uh, That doesn't sound likely, but at least someone reported that at some point. Mm -hmm. The the point is, at the very least, there's an imminent threat of deadly force if, if, if the guy is choking out one guy and has direct access to the gun on his hip. So that's also a consideration, but going hands-on in that environment, it's pretty sucky. Uh, not to say I've ever done it. Uh, Matthew, you know, you're a, a five foot, not much uh, <laughs> guy who has been on patrol. And I got to believe that there's, that these are tough decisions. You know, do I want to go hands-on where I got to worry about retaining the gun on my hip? Uh, I got to worry about retaining the gun on my, on my partner's hip. And we got to somehow deal with this. And and we already went hands-on to get the nurse peeled off of this dude at that point right. it was two against one but now my officer my fellow officer is about to, is about unconscious and if i go hands-on am i going to be able to do what needs to be done i think i think it's a tough decision and the contact mm-hmm. shot is equally ugly and tough i mean the second i get my gun within arm's reach of that bg odds get real high bg is going to grab gun and now now i'm fighting over my gun that sounds like much worse than the situation I was in a moment ago. So I just think that we got to be conscientious of that. I think we have to be thoughtful about this not being very black and white. It's a bit of an ugly one. Um, I think, I mean, another potential outcome here would, would be, hey, dude's choking out my buddy. He's going to go unconscious. Let it go. Like that's not long-term damaging. But the second I see him reach for my partner's gun, the second he starts stepping toward me, the second he starts doing, maybe that's the moment I have to fire. But getting my gun out and having it prepared and ready and issuing verbal commands, hopefully short strokes my you know, delay to act later. Uh, it also gives me time to you know, get a really nice dialed in accurate shot. Um, I don't think there's a lot of speed required. You know, If I'm picturing like your average hostage situation where like you stand there, I stand here, you have no weapon, I do. All you're doing is choking somebody out. I should be able to take my time and really get a nice, good, accurate shot. And to me, that's probably a preferable plan to rushing in there hands-on and trying to do a contact shot or, you know, where, where I, I risk you know, being in a battle over my gun. Yeah. And it's, it's all, I think it, what we think about is, or what we should think about is our own ability. Like what is our own ability today to defend against um, somebody who may be physically stronger than us, right? Like, or physically stronger than the person uh, that they're attacking our, our spouse or our child or whatever it might be, the person we're, we're out at dinner with. Um, and so what are our abilities 
physically like to go hands-on what can we do realistically like when we do our what if scenarios and somebody says well i'll go hands-on and i'll take them down and this and that and it's like well are do you have those abilities like do you do you physically train do you do you do these things and if not if you're maybe i mean both of these guys were i i i hesitate to say elderly but they're 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 older right so maybe their physical abilities to go hands-on are diminished and so it takes away some of the tools that you can use, but um, we should still all know what the tools we have, right? You might still be able to go hands-on with certain attackers and maybe some you can't and some you have to go to a gun and um, it's just, you have to know your abilities. And I think that that's one of those things where uh, if we don't have a context when we're training or we don't have some sort of metric and someone's like, well, I train all the day, all, all the time. I shoot tons of rounds. It's like, well, okay, is there any, is there any connection to your abilities? Like how are you testing your ability to do X, Y, and Z? Because if not, you're just a good shooter. What does that mean? You know? And so I think this, this kind of exposes those weaknesses where it's not just a standoff position where, um, you know, you just have to apply the fundamentals. It's, it, it, a lot goes into the decision-making process on this one. Mm. Yep. Well said. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I just, it does not sound super fun to me to go hands-on in that environment. I, that sounds really nasty and I'm not, you know, 59 or 65, All right. but it's, you know, it, it still might cross a line for me in terms of what I think is viable and safe. Uh, one last thought, and I'm just going to throw this out kind of crazy. Like, but when you were on patrol, Matthew, did mm-hmm. you use a like type three retention holster? I had a, a, well, our, the first department we had to, and then I went to a, uh, a level one, um, just because I, I, I didn't like all the snaps and stuff like that. So I, I went to a level one. Um, that, that would be another determining factor for me. Like how, mm-hmm. how able am I to retain this gun? If I go, you know, if I go, if I go in there with a gun on my hip and I start throwing punches, <laughs> you know, like how concerned do I got to be about that gun? You know, me losing control of it. Uh, yeah. So something else to consider. I don't know what kind of holsters these officers were security officers were using, but that's, it's a viable consideration. Absolutely. All right. Now we're going to, I don't know, channel nine somewhere, Oklahoma city. Is that it? Yeah. Yep. Oklahoma city, Oklahoma city, pregnant woman shoots intruder at Northwest Oklahoma city apartment. So this is a pretty short and sweet one here. Let me see if I can give us the, the narrative. Okay. Woman's at home. Someone knocks on door. She doesn't answer. I don't know if she looked at the people and saw who it was, but just for whatever reason, she did not answer it. Sometime later, uh, we don't know how much longer later, but sometime later, a woman takes her dog out for a walk. Uh, When she comes back to her apartment from walking the dog, the man who previously had knocked on her door returns and tries to force his way inside. The woman retrieved a gun and shot the suspect in the shoulder. He was taken into custody. The woman was uninjured. What do you make of this one, Matthew? Yeah, and, and this is a short, uh, you know, synopsis. But the the real important thing here, and the reason why I included it, was one um, the importance of um, maybe having a layered approach to your home or apartment. I, it's, it's it's an apartment here, so the ability to probably put up outside outdoor cameras and things like that, or have a, a ring doorbell type camera or something might be limited. Um, but this is one of those things where, you know, you see some, someone knocks on your door, you're like, okay, I'm not going to answer it. Um, but this person's laying in wait, waiting for you to come out. And whether or not this person knew that this woman lived there alone or, or would assume that she would be alone in taking her dog out, maybe it's one of the other people that are in the apartment and they, they kind of know her routine or whatnot. Um, but this is one of those areas where times where you could see a, you look at your camera, your phone and say, I don't know what the, who this dude is. And you see him, you know, kind of walk off the property or go into another area or not. Um, and so it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, we kind of have these little cues that sometimes we just brush off, right? Like dude knocks on the door, nobody's there. I'm not going to answer it. And you kind of just kind of brush it off and it's like, Hey, no big deal. Cause 99% of the time it is no big deal. This, this time a woman, 
comes back and uh, dude is dude is waiting for it, right? Um, so lock your doors even when you just run to take your your dog out really quickly. That's number one. Number two, um, if she would have had the firearm on her, um, obviously everything worked out well um, in this case, but it could have been bad if she couldn't have gotten to that gun. So maybe when you go to take your dog out or or whatnot, you have your firearm with you just because um, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good thoughts. The second thought is don't have a wussy dog. You know, if you're going to get a dog, <laughs> like get get a get a serious dog. Get the kind of dog that someone's watching you walk and saying, "I do not want to mess with that person." They got that dog. So, you know, I guess I had to bring that up. I have no idea what kind of, for all we know, she had some serious beefy, you know, scary looking dog. I really don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the gun on you, you know, broken record thing for sure. Uh, the the apartment concern also for sure. And, you know, transitionary spaces, I guess I'll leave you with this thought. You know, think about your life, your average daily life and think about what are my transitional spaces? What are the places where I am most uh, at risk? You know, and in the case of, you know, an apartment, when I come in and out of my door, when I'm going up and down those stairs, maybe, you know, that that kind of environment in my apartment building complex, those are transitionary spaces where your risk is elevated. Uh, maybe it's uh, in the parking garage at work, you know, in, when I'm in and out of my car and getting into the building. Now think about all your transitionary spaces and and the places where your risk is the most elevated. And you just maybe need to do a little bit extra diligence about how you're going to manage those spaces if you are going to you know, decrease your risk. My other thought here is that this seems to be a targeted random incident. Uh, and by targeted random, I mean it would appear that the woman does not know her attacker, but the very clearly uh, she was targeted by this man. Mm-hmm. He came back, right? He knocked on that door originally, then he came back later. So he wasn't just looking for loose doorknobs, you know, like he, it would seem that this woman was targeted. And so you can't presume that because you don't, you know, you live in a good neighborhood or because you don't, you know, have death threats coming or there's no, you know, creepy dudes, you know, calling you all the time, whatever. Like you can't presume all is well and fine. You know, sometimes you can be the random uh, target of an attack. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tony comments here and just says that his dog would lick his dead carcass and then run away. <laughs> Tony, yeah, dogs are sweet, wonderful animals, and sometimes, you know, that's just as far as it goes. <laughs> okay, let's go. Oh, and I, oh, I don't know if we mentioned this. I should have I should have brought it up, but the woman in this story was pregnant or is mm-hmm. pregnant. I sh- you know, I, that is somewhat viable in terms of, you know, if you have a concern about proportionality and her use of force. Her being pregnant, I think, elevates that uh, to some degree. And maybe also suggests, you know, an environment where she's less likely to carry her gun on her. Maybe she's wearing different clothing than normal or uh, it's less comfortable or heavy or whatever and all those kinds of things too. Yeah. All right. Should we go to the bikes? Yeah, let's do it. All right. This is Fox Detroit. Lay it down for us, Matthew. So Detroit, um, known for its good food and windy, windy cities. Let's see. So bicycle shoots SUV driver armed with knife dead in downtown Detroit road rage confrontation. So uh, here's a story. A couple bicyclists are riding down the street, uh, husband and wife or guy and girlfriend. I think it's his wife, a girlfriend. Uh, They're riding down the street. SUV uh, either cuts them off or they cut off the SUV, whatever the case is. They get into a verbal just kind of uh, argument as they're riding down the uh, down the street. Dude in the SUV decides, hey, I might as well get out and confront these guys, pulls his vehicle over to the side of the road, um, gets out of the uh, out of his SUV, uh, armed with an uh, with a knife, approaches the boyfriend of uh, the two couples that are uh, the couple that's riding their bike. A girlfriend draws her firearm that she's carrying and shoots the guy. Um, And it's it's pretty interesting because um, she ends up getting arrested. Um, but later in the story, it, it says that they believe um, that this is a justifiable, justifiable homicide, justifiable shooting, self-defense shooting, whatever you want to uh, classify it as. Um, but she was arrested on scene. So um, 
not sure it says um, there's still police footage from or there's uh, surveillance footage from the area. So they're probably reviewing that to see exactly what's going on. Um, but it's weird because it says police sources say they believe this was likely a case of justifiable, justifiable homicide and that the woman had the legal right to use lethal force. However, uh, they arrested her on scene and it goes on to say the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office will have the final say on charges. So um, not not sure uh, exactly why they arrested her. Um, but. Yeah, that's how it, how, how it played out. So I think that, you know, from a legal perspective, to your point, it seems pretty cut and dry. You know, dude with knife walks toward you shouting threats. <laughs> like that, <laughs> that seems like, you know, a pretty imminent deadly force uh, kind of threat. And your you know, use of a gun in defense of that, of that threat seems pretty viable in, in my mind. Um, whether or not you're the innocent party or not, maybe, you know, could be argued if you were the one who started shouting threats and things, but, but that's probably pretty irrelevant in this case, because the first physical part of the confrontation was when the knife uh, was produced and the man moved toward them with that knife. So that all seems good. Uh, in terms of tactics, it's a little bit of a tough one, right? Because I think, and this is important to note, because you're together with someone else, because if you were by yourself, right, if I was the guy on the bike and I was on my own and this dude with a knife walked toward me, <laughs> turn bike around, pedal hard, you know, like that's, it seems so obvious and easy to escape this confrontation. There's so many places bikes can go that cars can't, like it should just be really painless. But if you're the girlfriend and you're with your boyfriend and you both stopped and this dude's walking toward with your knife you don't have the same amount of control over the person who's with you. You can say something and maybe she did. Maybe she said, let's go, let's get out of here. You know, let's, 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 let's bounce. Um, we don't know the distance either, you know, how far apart, how far away this person was when they first saw him and as he started walking toward with the, maybe they came around a corner and he, you know, I don't know. Right. But, but I guess it's worth in my mind, the thing I'm taking away from this for me is if I'm with other people, it decreases my ability to escape from the threat because I now have to get all these people to bail out with me at the same time. Like we all have to get away and I may not be able to control that. And I'm certainly not willing, depending on the people to abandon them to save myself. So in this case, it might become more necessary or we might more easily justify the tactics of standing to fight versus attempting to escape from the threat. If that's what's necessary to protect you and the others you're with. So just, a, I guess, a thought there for any of us, as we think through these scenarios, it's one thing, if I'm on my own, I can try and get away, I can try to avoid conflict, right? But if I'm with somebody else, uh, my ability to do that might be greatly decreased. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that was my only thing to add. Yeah, totally, totally appropriate. I mean, I, I, I look at things differently, situations differently, if my I have my family with me or not. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different, it, it's a different equation when you have somebody with you. And so, and, and this is one of those cautionary tales of, you know, you don't know which little, you know, argument road rage incident is going to turn into a deadly force shooting or you getting injured or whatnot. I mean, this guy could have just as easily gotten out with the firearm. Right. And so sure. Sure. it's like one of those things where we sometimes it's hard because um, you should be able to say, Hey dude, you, you know, like riding your bike. Hey man, you cut me off. Right. And not this, not it end up into some sort of shooting. Right. Like you, you would, you would say, you know, that, that would be reasonable that I could say, Hey, you know, I should be able to say that. Right. But you just don't know. And sometimes it's just like, you just got to go the other way. You, you just have to. And it's, it's hard. Like you said, with other people there um, it, it's, it's hard. And uh, I'm sure this guy, this this woman didn't plan on shooting anybody, but she had her firearm on her on a bike ride, which probably a lot of people might not do. Right. Like, mm. hey, I don't want to carry my my gun while I'm riding my bike because my I don't wear a belt and holsters and stuff like that. She obviously found a way to do it. It doesn't say in the in the story, you know, how she was carrying it or whatnot, but she did have her firearm, which is uh, which is an important, you know, component of the story here. Yeah, yeah, valid. Well, last thought before we move on from this one is for those of you who like to ride your bike around, man, just choose, would you? Are you a car or are you a bike? <laughs> and I'm not a bike guy, and so I get to get away with saying rude things like this. But I, I, I support riding a bike around. Sounds like it's good for the body, good for the environment, and all that jazz. So, like, props to all you listeners who do that. But man, I wish you could cho choose a side. Like, I get, I do get frustrated as a driver with bicyclists 
who in one moment decide they're a vehicle and the next second decide no that they're on a bike like it's like when it's convenient i want to be able to, i want you to treat me like i'm a car but when it's not convenient i just get to do whatever i want <laughs> like yeah. i get to go through red lights and i get to hop up on this sidewalk and <laughs> you know but then no now in this moment i get to be in your lane and you have to wait behind me and i'm going to you know signal and turn so i don't know jacob's personal little thing there i i got beef with bicyclists who can't <laughs> pick a side so don't ride your bike around Jacob's house because you're likely to get in a road rage incident with him. It's it's, it's going to be fine. Uh, I just it's one of those like Jacob frustrations. Like I you know if if you want to be treated like a car, follow car rules. You know if if you don't want to follow car rules, then we're going to treat you like a bike. Okay. Either way, I'm not going to get out and try and knife you. All right, we're going to Indianapolis, back to Indiana again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So let's see if I can give the narrative here. You got a bunch of teenage boys who are walking around downtown Indianapolis causing some drama. In fact, um, it says at some point in here that uh, officers were patrolling nearby after receiving multiple disturbance calls. So these teenagers were not being awesome, upstanding citizens. Okay. At one point, um, one or more of these teenagers uh, attempts to rob a man. And when they try and do that, the man being robbed, the good guy in this case, draws and fires and shoots the teenager, 14-year-old boy. And 14-year-old boy is now dead. So it's a little bit rough. Uh, it says that the shooter is cooperating with investigators. And it said that uh, there's actually a bunch of statistics in here. And maybe we'll get to that kind of at, at the end of after we talk about the incident. We don't have a lot of information about the actual incident itself, other than we presume that the person who was the victim, you know, fired a gun and shot the 14 year old, 14 year old is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he, here's the thing. I mean, um, in the story, it doesn't say that the, what he, if it was a strong arm robbery or if it was an armed robbery where the, the 14 year old had a, a knife or a gun, we don't know. Um, and so, and we actually don't even know much about the, the shooter, how, how old he was, what is, maybe he was in a wheelchair, who, who knows, right? Could be an elderly guy in a wheelchair who can't really move. Um, but all those things kind of play factor into um, the reasonableness and the proportionality of the force being used. And so we don't know if this is a monster 14-year-old that's probably like most 14-year-olds taller than me, um, or, you know, if this is a 14-year-old that looks like a 14-year-old and carrying around a, a stuffed animal, probably not, right? Like it's probably he's out there um, menacing other people in the area. It, it also goes to to uh, the mindset of the the one who was robbed, the victim, um, that they're that, – they go through and list uh, there's, there's been um, 76 homicides in the area since June 29th, um, 2019. So the area is probably not the greatest. And so when you're being robbed in an area that's, you know, has a lot of shootings and things like that, um, probably that factors into your, your state of mind, right? Like um, not, not to say it's the only thing, but it's definitely, um, something that, that factors in. So it's a um, homicide every 4.6 days. Yeah. So you don't want to be that, that, you know, dude on the fourth day that, you know, hasn't, (laughs) hasn't, uh, where it hasn't have a homicide, but I just think it's, uh, it's important to understand like kids, you know, 14 year old kids can obviously, um, we, we've covered many stories where young kids were the ones that were robbing people at gunpoint, breaking into homes and home invasions with guns, you know? So, um, it's, it's not to say that they shouldn't be treated differently than, than adults, but, um, obviously, I mean, if you can avoid shooting such a young kid, um, even if, you know, he, he, he's out there robbing people, um, I, I think, you know, it's one of those things where uh, we all we've all done stupid stuff as kids, especially as a fourteen year old kid. Um, maybe we aren't, weren't all out robbing people, but um, but you know, it, it's just one of those things that society we it, it's kind of degrading, and we just have to be be alert and make prudent prudent decisions when we when we use our firearm because it's 
sometimes, you know, it's going to be, uh, the last, the last decision that that kid ever makes or person ever makes. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move on to some of the interesting statistics. The person who reported on this in the Indie Star, they added a bunch of homicide-related data for 2019 and 2020. And they did something really amazingly intelligent. And that is that they made it clear that the word homicide can apply to both a illegal shooting, which results in someone's death, as well as a legal shooting that results in someone's death, such as, such as self-defense, which this one most likely would fall into that latter category. And so they say, for example, homicides are at 40% in this patrol area compared to the same time last year. There have been 107 homicides in 2020. 91 are being investigated as criminal cases. The other 16 are believed to be non-criminal homicides, such as self-defense or accidental shootings. So non-criminal, uh, again, that could include, you know, an accidental discharge of a gun or it could be, you know, straight up self-defense. That's 15%, by the way. That's right. It's like 14.9 or something like that percent of the homicides in that time period in this patrol area are non-criminal. So 15%. I just think that was interesting. Uh, we've seen a lot of research bounce around over time that would suggest anywhere from 15 to maybe as much as like 30% of homicides in this country are justified. Uh, but it, it, it goes to show you that if this reporter hadn't added that little kind of side note, then you would never have known. You would have just seen the word homicide and the average person for sure would just would never distinguish that it's, that it's some percentage of those are justified. You would just mm -hmm. see that and say, oh my gosh, that's a lot of criminal murders, you know? And so it's just, a, I guess, a, a good reminder to me that we need to be cautious when we see data and statistics. We're coming up on an election season. So many uh, stats are going to be thrown around uh, with weight and Someone's going to talk about gun violence and all the people who die at the hands of guns. And when they do that, they're not going to distinguish. They won't. They will not distinguish that a large, or I shouldn't say large, but a percentage that is significant of those were self-defense, were DGUs, were justified. So you keep that in mind when some of those stats start getting thrown around here as we get closer to the election. Good point. Okay. We're going to the one, the, the story that generated the title of today's episode. <laughs> and let's see, where is this one? Where Shreveport, are we? Shreveport, Louisiana. Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, our listeners in Louisiana, you, Shreveport. I, you know, we've seen a lot of stories out of Shreveport. I, I get the sense it's not the safest part of the country. Okay. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no comment from Matthew. He's he's politically correct. He doesn't want to piss anyone off. <laughs> well, we just got somebody was saying it's a political show, so I'm staying out of it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Watch out for those politics. <laughs> I, I just didn't know we were so political. Okay. Um, here we go. The headline here is sister pulls out gun and saves her brother from would-be robbers. This one is crazy. Straight up intense. Let's see if I can create the narrative here. And Matthew, you jump in and correct me if I get anything wrong. Sure. But here's how I read it. Um, brother and sister are in a garage working on a Jeep. The, the sister is inside the Jeep. It says she's playing with the radio. Uh, apparently cars still have radios and the, the brother, I get the impression he's not sitting in the Jeep that like he's on the outside maybe he's got the door open, but he's like working on it somehow. Uh, but he's in the garage, right? They're both in the garage and two male attackers, come into the garage and it says, quote, rushed up to him shouting, where's the money? Okay. One of these uh, attackers grabs the brother by the arm and the other one grabbed him by the head and they went to, quote, walk me into the house. Okay. While this is happening, the younger sister who's sitting in the Jeep playing with the radio she uh, draws her gun, which she clearly had on her, and fired on the men attacking her brother, striking one of them and holding that one at gunpoint until police arrive. And then I, I got the, I think somewhere later, yeah, that's right. Later they did arrest the second uh, perpetrator. So both, both of them are in custody now. Now, when she fires on one of the bad guys, uh, they fire back. So, so shots do go back and forth. And in addition to one of the BGs being struck uh, with a bullet, her brother is also shot. 
And according to the brother, quote, I looked down and I had a bullet in my chest and I pulled it out myself. I was like, I see it. So I just pulled it out myself, end quote. And that's about the end of the narrative. So Matthew, what do you have to say about that one? Yeah, there's a couple things that were striking and I'll, I'll hit the first one about him pulling the bullet out of his chest, right? Or out of, I think it says his chest, right? Or that's what yeah, it's in his chest, yeah. right? So um, we always talk about what the best caliber for defensive handgun and people can argue about 40, 45, nine millimeter, three, eight, all this stuff, right? It all boils down to penetration. If this round would have penetrated deep enough where this kid couldn't have pulled the bullet out of his chest, he wouldn't have been able to pull the bullet out of the chest and likely would have suffered more uh, damaging injury, right? More catastrophic, uh, 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 a worse injury. Um, So I don't know what kind of, you know, gun this was, um, but I can if it wasn't deflected off of something right if it shot if, if it didn't deflect off of the car or something like that hit the ground and bounce up or something um then it probably wasn't a, a you know a high velocity round um and so you know think about that when you're carrying your firearms why you know some people will say well carry anything it's better than nothing well it is it's better than nothing um, but if those are your only two options, but there are options in between of nothing and, you know, your, I don't know, Derringer single shot pistol. Right. So um, if, if, if this guy can pull a bullet out of his chest and have the, the, the wherewithal to do that, then certainly somebody who's attacking you and you shoot them with the same caliber that this uh, criminal was using could do, could do the same. So just one of those things that kind of popped in my head is, Penetration's the the key in all your self defense uh, ammunition decisions. Yeah, uh, Matt asks, "Did the sister shoot him?" Uh, and the answer is, we don't know. We don't know what bullets went and hit who. Uh, the odds are the sister did shoot the the attacker who was shot, but as to whose bullet hit the brother, we have no idea. Um, it could have been her. It could have been someone else. We we do know that there, it said very clearly there was a shootout, so mm-hmm. bullets flew both ways. Uh, but as far as like whose bullet impacted the the good guy brother, no idea. And whether or not it was a direct impact, to your point, Matthew, or whether or not it was deflected off some other surface, which would you know further clarify or perhaps explain why we don't have enough penetration to prevent one from pulling the bullet out themselves. Right. Um, that we don't we don't know. And none of mm-hmm. that is included. What's definitely true is a couple interesting things. One, when dudes run into your garage grab you by the arm and the head and shout, where's the money? And then try and force you in your house. It's not going to end well. The intentions of those criminals are not passive. <laughs> it, is, it is not a, uh, Hey, um, if it's convenient and no one's going to see us, maybe we'll steal a television. Like that's not what's happening here. When, when, when two dudes with guns grab you by the head, force you in a house where, where there won't be any witnesses, it's it's game on like this is super game on time this is not you know and you could see how such a crazy ridiculous scenario in hindsight to all of us is clearly extremely dangerous and bad in the moment it just could be confusing i mean you could see how you're like what what's going who what you know and all of a sudden they're you know and you could see how like there's this delay for your brain to accept that it's go time like it's time to act now mm-hmm. but clearly the sister for her just a relatively high speed. She's, she decided it was game time. So yeah. I think that's pretty awesome and, and good work. Um, so that's one thought I had is that this is, this is not going to end well. This is violent. This is, this is scary. This is not good. Uh, it, it, you know, from our perspective, it looks random, but it could be a mistaken home. Maybe these dudes are drug dealers and they're trying to get, you know, they thought this was a drug house and they got the address wrong. I mean, we don't know, right. It could have been mm-hmm. any, any number of things. Uh, marksmanship we already c- covered, but I thought I'd bring it up again. Marksmanship becomes really critical in a in a box. A garage is a concrete box, and it's not a place I want to be when bullets are flying around. Uh, you cover is pretty sucky um, if you have it at all, and bullets bounce off stuff, and it's not good. We don't know if the sister exited the car and then she took fire. We don't know if she you know exited the car and then took cover and then took. We don't know. We just know that she responded pretty dang immediately before things left the garage into the house. 
So some pretty heroic actions, I think, from the sister and good work. Yeah, I think you you hit it in in on the head is and the homeowner in in the story even says uh, it says he's glad they had their guns on him and did not panic, um, and, and that's one of those things like you mentioned. They, she had the wherewithal in her mind to say there are certain times where compliance works against an attacker and certain times it wouldn't. And you explained it perfectly. Like you you get this you get the sense of how these guys rolled up and that they were armed and in their mannerisms that this wasn't, Hey, give me your wallet and I'm going to leave. This was give me your wallet. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you anyways. And so I think she acted appropriately, didn't panic, had, had a, a clear con a clear mind to say, this is what I need to do. And, and, and that's one of those things that, um, helps make the right decision to shoot, not shoot, um, and, and whatnot. So that was, uh, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff. Hey, before I forget, I meant to bring this up, but I wanted to just say something to get the story we talked about earlier with the two security officers in the hospital hostage situation, two men dead. I thought it was just worth coming back. I, I said we would, and then we didn't. So I feel like I had to bring this up. Two men died of a gunshot wound in a hospital. Mm. And I thought that that was extremely interesting and noteworthy. One of them took a shot in the head, the other one in the chest. But despite them being in a hospital, I mean, you can't get closer to critical medical response teams, right? Despite them being in the hospital, they sp- they both lost that battle with the gunshot. So uh, I, I don't know. I guess I just felt like we had to say that out loud just to impress on how that matters. You know, the gunshot placement makes a huge difference. And in that case, even happening in the hospital was not bueno. Another interesting thought, Matthew, and I don't, I'm just spitballing here. I don't know anything about emergency response inside the hospital, but uh, it could be that hospitals are not well prepared to respond, respond to gunshot wounds somewhere deep inside of the psychiatric ward of the hospital. You know, that might be a challenge. Like, you know, send hot, you know, dude shows up in ER off of an ambulance. We got that. We're well-trained. We do that every day, but report of someone being shot up in, you know, the the north wing like on on the seventh floor like what the crap do we do i, sure. I don't know maybe maybe they're all over that i'm just spitballing that it's it's probably not the average thing yeah tony comments don't take me to that hospital please <laughs> all right we got to go to st george utah and if you live in st george i'm sorry the place like basically six months out of the year feels like someone's got a hot blow dryer on in your face, <laughs> but it's a beautiful city and I'm just teasing. You can live there, but it's, I'm, I'm very particular about my climate choices. And so St. George crosses the line into too hot for Jacob. Tell us about St. George, Utah. Matthew. All right. This is our final story. So St. George, Utah around 3 AM, uh, somebody, a, a group of guys break into a pharmacy, Sienna's pharmacy. Um, and like I said, this happens at 3 a.m. in the morning. There's a pharmacist inside um, who's in like a back break, break room. The people breaking in, the the, the men, uh, there's three of them breaking in, don't know that there's somebody in the, in the pharmacy. Um, and so the pharmacist hears them before they realize he's in there. He approaches, he, he walks out and is like, hey, what's going on? I, is, I heard something, is somebody in here? And he walks out and confronts him. Uh, he's actually carrying uh, a, a firearm, has a concealed handgun license, um, points a gun at the, at the dudes and they, they, you know, beat feet and they get out of there. Um, so he calls, he calls nine one one saying, you know, um, how are these guys not know that I'm in here, right? Like I'm standing right here. They don't see me cause they're creeping all around. And, uh, so Basically, uh, he scares them off. They drive away. There's four, one dudes in the, in the vehicle, of course, outside waiting. Uh, they jump in the vehicle, drive away. And, uh, you know, police eventually stop the vehicle. Um, they catch him and, the, and they, uh, they arrest all four of them. Um, but yeah, it, it, the pharmacies are one of those things where if you're, if you work in a pharmacy or you have a family member who works in a pharmacy, um, can be a very dangerous place, especially uh, nowadays where people don't have jobs and they're furloughed and a, a lot of it, it's, it's, uh, it's very dangerous. So um, one of those things where if you can carry in your pharmacist or you have a family member, 
uh, I, and it's not against, you know, policy or policy or whatnot. Um, there, this kind of stuff happens all the time uh, to pharmacists. So people trying to get, you know, narcotics and things. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know what pharmacist works at 3 a.m. I thought that was like, <laughs> super bizarre, like just to the point of like ridiculous, like what? Like what the crap are you doing there at three in the morning, bro? But you know, maybe he's conducting his annual inventory. I, I don't know, but I just thought that was so weird. Um, the other thing that really struck out to me in the story uh, is that you know it all ends well, no shots fired, everyone's you know good, you know all ends well. But the response of law enforcement was quite impressive because the way these dudes get nabbed is an officer sees a vehicle that matches the description, full of guys, pulls them over at a traffic stop. Um, when he confirms, you know, with dispatch that he's got a vehicle that matches the description and all that, they send back up to him. And as they're pulling these dudes out of cars and questioning them, uh, other officers are at the pharmacy reviewing the surveillance video footage. They're able to pass off the uh, descriptions of the actual people, the you know, the four perpetrators, the three, I guess, three perpetrators that were in the pharmacy to dispatch. Dispatch is able to relay that to the officers conducting the traffic stop. And they determine, yep, these dudes fit the description. Let's let's put them in cuffs. So I thought that was pretty uh, good, you know, I guess example of how law enforcement can sometimes do some pretty good things quickly. Um, you know, they they said that they they sent out officers to certain, you know, to put up you know basically traffic uh, roadblocks and on major highways and thoroughfares. It also said they dispatched officers to all the other pharmacies in the area because they figure if these guys hit one pharmacy, maybe they'll hit a second one. Uh, I just thought it was a pretty impressive response by Washington County uh, Sheriff's Office, uh, which is where St. George, Utah is. So um, I don't know if you had any other thoughts about that, Matthew, but I. Maybe that happens every day and I'm just don't always hear about it, but I thought it was pretty impressive. No, not always. And, and your point is really important, um, especially like, you know, a lot of cops, when when a situation like this happens, all the cops want to go and catch the vehicle. But it's really important for officer or officers to get to the scene and get good description. And if there's video and, and get all that information to relay it out, because um, oftentimes that's how you you stop them, not just by casting this huge net but by saying hey these are the guys i recognize this car this this person or this vehicle and then all of a sudden like you you start putting it out and people say oh i know that guy he lives over on this side of the town or whatever and it so it's it is a coordinated thing where uh when everything's working together like that it's it's awesome yeah good work washington county yeah all right, that wraps it up for us today, guys. Thank you for tuning in. A couple of important things before we let you go. We are – wait, is today, is today giveaway day? I always get confused. It is, yes. Okay. We have a giveaway. All right, so we have a giveaway, so we need to pull a winner. So here we go, guys. We're going to do that next. Now, before we get to the giveaway, though, just a reminder, today's episode is sponsored by CCW Safe. what we think is probably the best choice out there for coverage – self-defense related coverage in a legal incident related to your use of force in defense of yourself or others. Learn more at ccwsafe.com and use the coupon code CCPODCAST to save on your new membership there. And also today's episode is brought to you by Fighting From Cover, our video-based training course available to stream or via DVD uh, at concealedcarry.com forward slash FFC. Go up your game and be prepared for every gunfight Look at all the stories we listened to today. We're bouncing around in garages, around Jeeps. We got people on bicycles who got to deal with stuff. We got a guy who's belling out of his car and shooting a loony walking down the highway. We got people who are ambushing someone at a door as they're trying to get back in their house after walking a dog. Cover is everywhere, and your correct and proper use of it could be the difference you making it through in the gunfight. So learn more at concealedcarry.com forward slash FFC. All right, Matthew. So what are we giving away today? Today, we're giving away a Legal Boundaries by State book. All right. Legal Boundaries by State. This is the top selling product at concealcarry.com right now. We're selling these things like wildfire. And you're really going to be glad you have it, especially if you're one of those places where you don't have internet surface and you're driving down the road trying to decide what the laws are for that state you're about to drive into. So this is a great book. We'll get it shipped out to you as soon as we can. So Matthew, who is our winner today? Uh, Let me draw the winner here. We have... Samantha D. Samantha D. Yeah. D is in dog, big dog that scares mm-hmm. away burglars. So Samantha <laughs> D, you are the winner of the Legal Boundaries by State book. What are we giving away next week, Matthew? 
the concealed carry tactical pen. Ah, I have one. Yes. So the concealed carry tactical pen, glass breaking, awesome pen. So this uh, retail value about 10 bucks and you can enter to win this and all of our weekly giveaways at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. All one word. And a reminder, you do have to enter every week. So if you've entered once and you're wondering why you never win, uh, it's because you're no longer entered. Every week, you got to go back and re-enter. Do that roughly between, you know, from Tuesday through Monday. That's kind of roughly uh, your window each week to enter the giveaway. Just, you know, set an alarm or something on your calendar or something. Remember to do that every single week. And of course, tell your friends because maybe they'll win and they'll, you know, let you have it or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So that's the story. Please reminder, if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, and go and review it. Write a review. You can do that on iTunes, but obviously it's getting to the point today where a lot of the podcatchers uh, from Google Play and all the other big players out there, uh, they also allow you to write reviews. So if you listen to us on Spotify or uh, tune in or wherever it might be, please write us a review and uh, give us that feedback. And if you have any questions for us, uh, feedback you want to send us or anything you'd like for us to talk about on the show, you can always email us at podcast at concealedcarry.com. That's it then. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Reminder to train off and train safe and train right so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.